Welcome to another edition of the SSPX Podcast, delivering sermons, lectures, and the spoken word from across the English-speaking world. Today we'll be listening to a sermon delivered this past Sunday, the 17th Sunday after Pentecost, from Father Linnae in our chapel of Wanganui, New Zealand. In it, he discusses how suffering is necessary to live a Christian life. Now, here's Father Linnae. Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. On Friday, we had the Feast of uh, the Exaltation of the Holy Cross. On Saturday, the Seven Sorrows of Our Lady. Tomorrow, we have the Impression of the Stigmata of St. Francis. So, all this brings back to us the mystery of the cross. It is indeed a great mystery. Our Lord Himself said uh, announcing his passion, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him may not perish, but may have life everlasting. So our Lord presents his passion as a necessity. He must be lifted up on the cross. And later, after his resurrection, our Lord said to his apostles, was it not necessary for Christ to have suffered these things and so to enter his glory. And he says also, thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise again from the dead the third day, and that penance and remission of sins should be preached in his name unto all nations beginning at Jerusalem. So again you see that our Lord insists it was necessary. In their predication the apostles were declaring that Christ had to suffer and to rise again from the dead. And uh, they were confirming the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith, and that uh, through many tribulations we must enter into the kingdom of God. In other words, they preached not only Christ had to suffer, but we have to suffer with him. This necessity seems hard. And yet the first thing to notice is that this necessity is always linked with the fruits of the passion of the suffering and of the sufferings of Christ. Our Lord says, if I be lifted from the earth, I will draw all things to myself. Many are the afflictions of the just, the psalmist said, but out of them all will the Lord deliver them. So, there is the necessity of the cross, but there is the fruit, and the beautiful fruit. And St. Paul goes <coughs> further and says, we glory in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience trial, and trial hope, and hope confoundeth not, because the charity of God is poured forth in our hearts by the Holy Ghost who is given to us. And these are the fruits of the tribulations, the pouring of charity in our heart by the Holy Ghost, and who himself is given to us. And St. Paul says also, later to the Romans, in the epistle to the Corinthians, my grace, grace is sufficient for thee, for power is made perfect in infirmity. Gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may dwell in me. So, there is the infirmity, but on the other hand, the power of Christ dwells in him through his infirmities. And in particular, the Apostle insists on the bond between the, with the passion and joy. Joy, yes. That's what the Apostle said. And you became followers of us and of the Lord, receiving the word in much tribulation with joy of the Holy Ghost. It goes together. 
much tribulation with joy of the Holy Ghost. And St. Peter says in beautiful words, If you partake of the sufferings of Christ, rejoice, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. And St. Paul says it, something even more beautiful, We are the sons of God, and if sons, ears also, ears in need of God, and joint ears with Christ, yet so if we suffer with him, so that we may be glorified with him. For I reckon that the sufferings of this time are not worthy to be compared with the glory to come that shall be revealed in us. So on one side there is the passion, but there is the glory. There is the joy and there is the, um, the union with God. So since our Lord Jesus Christ has saved us by his passion, there is no other way to heaven than to follow him partaking in the, his passion and cross. That is the way to go to heaven. Now, how do we partake in the passion of our Lord Jesus Christ? First, we partake in the passion of our Lord Jesus Christ sacramentally, by the sacraments. St. Thomas Aquinas teaches that each sacrament unites us in a special way with the passion of Christ. And St. Paul himself says very clearly about baptism, Know you not that all we who are baptized in Christ Jesus are baptized in his death? For we are buried together with him by baptism into death. That as Christ is risen from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we also may walk in newness of life. So there is burial and resurrection, there is death to sin and life unto God. So that the sacrament of baptism, in which you have the immersion, or at least partial immersion, under the water, you know, um, they signifies the burial, conforms us with our Lord Jesus Christ, crucified and dead and risen from the dead. You have the same for the sacrament of confirmation, which is given by the bishop, marking the confirmed with the sign of the cross on the forehead. Or the sacrament of penance, by the very penance itself, it is a certain union with the passion of Christ. The sacrament of the Holy Eucharist, the greatest of all sacraments, is the very passion of our Lord Jesus Christ, offered each day on our altars, so that we may always be more closely united with him, with his passion. Sacrament of extreme unction. It unites the suffering of the sick person with the sufferings of Christ crucified. The sacrament of the priesthood is clearly for the offering of the sacrifice, but since the sacrifice of Christ is marked by the fact that Christ is both priest and victim, the sacrament of holy orders makes of the person to be ordained not only a priest, but a victim. And the very sacrament of marriage also is related to the cross, since it is a sacrament by the fact that it signifies the marriage of Christ and its, his church. And that marriage was achieved precisely on the cross, when the cross when the church as the new Eve was formed of the open side of Christ in the sleep of death, when it was open and there flowed forth water and blood. Thus, as you can see, all the sacraments come from the cross and lead to the cross. They come from the cross because they apply to us the infinite merits of Christ which he merited on the cross and they lead us and they conform us with our Lord Jesus Christ crucified. And yesterday, the Feast of the Seven Sorrows of Our Lady reminded us that all these graces that flow from the cross of Jesus also come through the compassion of Our Lady with Him. She is fully united with Him in the mystery of the cross. 
She is at the foot of the cross, a helper like unto him, as was said by God about Eve, when he gave Eve to Adam. She indeed already is the new Eve, united with the new Adam, Jesus, in his redeeming sacrifice, and giving life to all the members of the church. But this first sacramental participation in the mystery of, cro of the cross is not sufficient. From it, we must conform our life to this mystery. You see, by baptism we are conformed sacramentally to the passion of our Lord, death and resurrection, but that's not sufficient. St. Paul says, our old man is crucified with him that the body of sin may be destroyed, to the end that we may serve sin no longer. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live together with Christ, knowing that Christ, rising from the dead, dieth no more. Death shall have no more dominion over him, that is the pattern. So do you also reckon that you are dead to sin, but alive unto God in Christ Jesus our Lord. In a, dead to sin, that means we sin no more. Finished. It's out of question. We must not sin anymore. Living unto God means that we direct all our life towards God by charity, by loving God above all things, and directing all things towards His glory and the salvation of souls. So, baptism requires that after baptism we live a life dead to sin and living unto God. In life, no more sin, like the dead is finished, the past life is finished, and a new life with Christ, a life of fidelity to our Lord. Fidelity to God's commandments. That is also true of the other sacraments, like the sacrament of the Holy Eucharist. You know, when we come to Mass, we must renew our death to sin and our life unto God. And the sacraments are precisely given to us so that through them we may have the grace to live the passion of our Lord, that is, by um, being dead to sin and living unto God. Now, that death to sin requires a fight against temptation, and everyone understands that. Therefore, self-denial and mortification. St. Paul says very clearly, bearing about in our body the mortification of Jesus, that the life of Jesus may also be made manifest in our bodies. So, we must be mortified. We must not follow the corruption of the world, you see, but rather renounce this corruption. They that belong to Christ have crucified their flesh with the vices and concupiscences. That's what St. Paul said, very clearly. So if we belong to Christ, if we are baptized, belong, member of his body by baptism, then we must crucify our flesh and its vices and concupiscences. Finished. In this second degree of union with Christ crucified, our lady also is very much present. She, more than anybody else, was dead to sin. She had never even lived, and sin never had any dominion over her, you see. She, uh, she was always perfectly followed and imitated our Lord Jesus Christ. So she is with him, dead to sin, and living unto God. But this second degree of participation is not sufficient. It is not sufficient to be dead to sin and living unto God. I don't understand. That should be sufficient to go to heaven. No, it's not sufficient. Why is it not sufficient? Because God does not only want us to be good, He wants us to be holy. And that requires more. In order to become saints, sanctity requires a much deeper purification and elevation. 
which the practice of virtue, even with the grace of God, the practice of virtue is not sufficient to achieve. God has to take the initiative and purify us through the crucible of the cross, that is, through actual suffering with our Lord Jesus Christ. So, that's the reason why we need to participate in the passion of our Lord, because God wants us to become saints. Not just honest people, but saints. And you see that in all the love of the saints. St. Paul is very clear, you know, if we suffer with him, so as to be glorified with him. We must suffer with him. And there is suffering, you know, so as to be glorified with him. We see that, for instance, in Abraham. Abraham was a holy man, obeying God, going wherever God wants him to go, you know, just man, following the commandments, the natural law, and God asked him to sacrifice his son. Now, that was a big suffering for a father who loved his son and his beloved son, the son of the promise, the son of the miracle, to sacrifice him. And Abraham obeyed. But that trial of Abraham was precisely perhaps the most beautiful passage of his whole life and the one in which he is the most united to our Lord Jesus Christ, the most image of Christ as priest and victim. So it, the sanctity of Abraham required that sacrifice. You see that in the holy man Job. Here you have another holy man. He was perfectly obeying the commandments of God. He was, you know, um, never blaspheming, always honoring God, offering sacrifices to God. He was pure, he was charitable, he was the father of the poor, the, you know, the eye of the blind, the food of the lame. He, he was good in many, many areas. And the devil asked to to hit him. She says, no, he just serve you because he's rewarded on earth. But just hit him and he will curse you like everybody else. And God says, okay, try. God permits the devil the trial of Job. And Job is in, uh, afflicted by a sickness from the top of the head to the bottom of the feet. He loses everything and that's not sufficient. He's more over afflicted by a sickness, a horrible sickness. Why did God permit that? Because at the same time that the devil attack him outside, God is pouring his charity inside pulling his grace, and helps Job to be faithful even in the trial. And that fidelity of Job in the trial is his holiness. Job raised up to heights of holiness that he, much beyond what he was before, through the trial, through the participation in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Job is so much an image of Christ crucified, of Christ the innocent who suffers, that the church uses some of the passages of the book of Job in Passion Time. And applies that to Christ, because he is the image of Christ. And you have that in Tobias, we read the book of Tobias now in Matins, and at the end of the book, the archangel Raphael says to Tobias, because that was acceptable to God, it was necessary that temptation should prove you. And Tobias became blind. So again, you have a just man, a holy man, who is afflicted. You know? But that becomes for him an occasion of sanctification. And you see that in the New Testament, the apostles suffered, you know, and they were whipped and they, they all died martyrs, you know. And then after that you see that uh, tomorrow, St. Francis, is a friend of God, God gives him the stigmata to make him even physically conformed to our Lord Jesus Christ crucified. You see, why did, why did God give the stigmata to Padre Pio? To make him a great saint. You see, God does not want us just to be good, He wants us to become saints, and for that purpose, He sends us trials. And 
the, um, the, the cross, physical crosses, you know, in, and or sometimes moral crosses. You know, he sends us to suffering, deep suffering, you know, um, because thereby he sanctifies us. But you might say, why? Why is it so? Because in all these cases, God pours his grace inside the soul, you know, and makes us conformed to our Lord Jesus Christ. And this conformity is the essence of, of sanctity, to be one with Jesus. Christian perfection consists in charity. But to love God above all things, when everything is fine to you, seems easy. But when everything turns against you, then that's when charity is perfect. So it is in the cross that charity becomes perfect. And our idea of the foot of the cross is for, for us a great encouragement. Our Lord did, the person that was loved by our Lord most, more than anybody else, was his mother. No one was loved by Jesus more than his mother. And to her he gave to participate in the mystery of his cross. At the foot of the cross she was plunged into the abyss of sorrows that is beyond our understanding because nobody loved Jesus more than she did and so she suffered more than anybody else of his passion. Our Lady thereby is close to everyone who suffers. And she knows how to console, she knows how to help, how to support because she was there at the foot of the cross. And she will help us to be with her standing at the foot of the cross for the sanctification of souls for the salvation of many souls, not only for our own sanctification, but that through the sacrifice that to obtain for our families, for our parish, for, our, uh, for the whole society, for the, our country, for the whole church, for the whole world, for many, many souls, innumerable graces. Think of Padre Pio. <coughs> millions and millions have been sanctified by the sufferings of Padre Pio, you see. And this is the fruitfulness of the cross. The cross is fruitful, and therefore we should ask our Blessed Mother to understand that mystery, how we need to be conformed to our Lord Jesus Christ, not only sacramentally, not only in our life, being dead to sin and living unto God, but by positively participating in the passion of our Lord Jesus Christ, so that we may participate in His glory in heaven forever. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe and rate the podcast so that more people can hear the beauty and truth of traditional Catholicism. For more news, resources, and updates, you can visit the U.S. District website at sspx.org or the English news website of the Society at fsspx.news.